0: You're listening to a selection of stories from this week's Morning Ireland.
1: 636 people are now known to have died from the new coronavirus. The death of a Chinese doctor who was one of the first to raise concerns about the virus has sparked an unprecedented level of public anger and grief in China. Li Wangliang died after contracting the virus while treating patients in Wuhan. He was accused by police in December of spreading rumours. The number of confirmed cases of illness in mainland China has now passed 31,000. There are confirmed cases in 25 other countries there have been no confirmed cases here. Ho Zhang Dong is the Chinese ambassador to Ireland. He's in our studio this morning. Ho Zhang Dong, you're very welcome to Morning Ireland. Thank you for coming in to us today.
2: Yeah, my pleasure to be here.
1: You're from Wuhan in China. Yes. Can you tell me w- w- what's happening in your in your home area?
2: Uh, actually, I attended college there in Wuhan 35 years ago. And uh, actually, uh, I am, uh, and the, uh, Dr. Lee, you just mentioned, both of us are the uh, alumni of the uh, Wuhan University. And I would say that for the time being, the uh, situation there in uh, Wuhan is uh, very severe, is uh, very serious. And I think uh, the situation is getting uh, uh, more and more under control.
1: Can you tell me what's been done to help those who, who have contracted the virus?
2: And for the time being, uh, I think that uh, since the uh, breakout of the uh, disease, the uh, Chinese government, uh, take uh, a lot of measures to uh, to uh, to uh, cure the uh, the uh, the, uh, the patients, and also uh, measures to uh, to uh, uh, contain the spread of the virus. And so far, the uh, the uh, since Wuhan and the uh, 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 the whole province of Hubei is the epicenter of the disease so the uh, situation there is uh, more serious much much more serious than the uh, rest of the uh, the uh, the uh, uh, areas there in china so uh the uh the central government sends more than 10000 uh, medical staff to beef up the uh, the capability there in uh Wuhan and hubei province and uh the two uh, uh, new hospitals uh was built uh in just the two weeks in Wuhan to, to, uh, for the, uh, those uh, people who are affected.
1: Have you family in China? Are they okay?
2: Uh, actually, uh, my family is not in that province, uh, but uh, I think that uh, uh, they are okay. Yeah.
1: We have spoken to a number of Irish people who mm-hmm. are living in China in recent weeks. Mm-hmm. Many people from countries from outside China have been advised to leave to get out of the country for their own safety. Mm-hmm. What would you say to Irish people listening to Morning Ireland today in China? Should they leave?
2: Uh, I think that it's, uh, they they need to uh, take a very cautious uh, attitude because I think that for the time being, th- there is a risk. If you are taking uh, public transportation, especially a long-haul flight, there's a risk that uh, you might be uh, affected. So I think that my, my advice is that uh, to uh, uh, keep vigilant, but uh, stay calm and uh, ch- follow the advice from the uh, doctors and uh, uh, medical authorities carefully and uh, stay at home uh, and avoid non-essential uh, travel.
1: For those who do leave China, for those who feel it's not safe to stay, will they be allowed to return when this crisis is over?
2: Definitely they're, they're welcome to uh, come back to, uh, to China. Yeah, when the, uh, the epidemic disease is over. What help can foreign
1: governments give to China now?
2: So I think that every gesture from the, uh, the France uh, abroad uh, is, 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 is very precious. I think that yesterday, uh, Taoiseach Veronica wrote a, uh, a very touching letter to his uh, Chinese, po- uh, Chinese uh, counterpart, Premier uh, Li Keqiang. And in the letter he said that uh, uh, the, uh, the island is stand. In solidarity with China during this difficult time, and uh, the uh, the uh, the uh, the uh, uh, the the said that uh, he uh, expressed support and appre- appre- appreciation for China, for China's people, and the actions China has taken on the front line of this outbreak.
1: As we've been reporting, the death of Doctor uh, Li Wangyang, uh, was who was one of the first to raise concerns about the virus has sparked an unprecedented level of public anger and grief in China what's your reaction?
2: I think that a, it's, it's a tragedy his death
1: is it's a tragedy because he's a medical doctor who
2: uh, who uh, fought uh, uh, on the front line uh, against the, uh, the outbreak and the the, the, uh, the Chinese government, uh, the central government and the local government there in Wuhan and in the province of Hubei uh, all expressed Uh, uh, Our condolence uh, for his death, and also praised highly his contribution uh, and his sacrifice in the battle against the uh, the virus.
1: Your country's anti-corruption body says it will open an investigation into quote issues involving Dr. Lee. What issues?
2: So, uh, asking that for the time before the investigation started and before the end of the investigation, I cannot say that what kind of uh, measures uh, is going to take. But it is a it is a uh, open and uh, commitment from the uh, Chinese government to our people that uh, anyone who is uh, uh, responsible for for the for any endeavor uh, will be uh, take into account. Account. Was he harassed by police? Uh, no, he he is not harassed at all, and he was just warned by the police not to uh, to uh, send out uh, unconfirmed or or unconfirmed in, uh, information. He was accused of spreading false rumors. Is that correct? Uh, I think that uh, the term the uh, the police use might be uh, not so correct because they said that he's uh, circulated uh, kind of a rumor. But actually, I think that uh, the 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 uh, the meaning of the the uh, when when they said about that is that uh, not to uh, to uh, make public unconfirmed information to the public.
1: Was he arrested?
2: No, absolutely not. After that, uh, he's still uh, fighting. He he was still fighting uh, on the front line as an eye doctor.
1: Why has his death caused such anger in your country?
2: Because I think that uh, he's uh, he's very young and he said he said he's a he's a medical doctor and he 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 died in the fighting against the virus so uh, that's that's the reaction
1: do you think it's because of the way he was treated for trying to alert people about this virus
2: uh i think that to some to some extent we may say that but uh i think that we we uh the, the people uh expressed their condolences to every losses in the, fight, in the fight.
1: Hu Zhongdang, a Chinese ambassador to Ireland, thank you very much for coming into Morning Ireland today.
3: Now, hundreds of secondary schools will be closed today as members of the Teachers' Union of Ireland strike over unequal pay, the union says. The action is about making it clear to all political parties and general election candidates that its campaign will continue until pay discrimination is eliminated. We'll talk to John McGowan, General Secretary of the Teachers' Union of Ireland, who's with us in studio shortly. But first, our reporter Tommy Meskell has been speaking to two teachers who will be out on the picket lines this morning – The first you'll hear is Zara Blake, and she has been working as a full-time Irish and English teacher for three years now in Dublin. And Zara began by explaining how the two-tier pay system has affected her take-home pay.
4: In the first ten years of our career, those of us on the new um, pay scale, on the lesser pay scale, we're losing out on fifty thousand in the first ten years compared to colleagues who started pre-two thousand and eleven. So it's a huge discrepancy in our um, in our pay.
5: You're taking part in the strikes is this a fear for you and your peers that that you might suffer financial penalties as a result of this strike action after all uh, you're not supposed to be doing this
4: well we are already suffering um in terms of our pay we, we receive um less money for doing the same work
6: as our colleagues my name is Emma mcguire i'm a maths and german teacher in county donegal
5: when you first started working as a secondary school teacher uh, were you full-time
6: I started on on seven hours out of a 22-hour contract, meaning I was not only on the lower pay scale, I was receiving only a fraction of that. Now, I know I was lucky. Within two years, I was on full hours. Many Many of my other colleagues would find themselves maybe working up to 10 years, still waiting for full hours. And still on the lower pay scale.
5: When you start off in 2012 under the new arrangements, you would have been earning around 30,000 full time, if I'm right. Um, So, does that mean if you only were getting a third of the hours, you were earning roughly about 10,000 euro a year?
6: I was effectively on 10,000, having trained for four years and then a one year PME. I found myself coming out on a 10,000 a year contract, despite the amount of time it took to qualify.
3: That was Teacher Eamon Maguire and before him Zara Blake speaking to Tommy Meskell last night. We're joined in studio now by John McGowan, who is General Secretary of the Teachers Union of Ireland. Um, John McGowan, good good morning. Um, there's there's going to be a new government in a couple of weeks' time. Why could you not wait until then to hold maybe constructive discussions with the new minister rather than all of this disruption today? Well, first of all, if I may just start
7: by thanking Zara and Eamon and the nineteen thousand members of TUI who are taking solidarity action today with their uh, lesser-paid colleagues um, in institutes of technology, adult education centres and in excess of 400 schools. Um, Why could we not wait? I think the point is that we have been waiting now for nigh on nine years for a full and final resolution of what is a palpable, clear and unacceptable injustice, the injustice of pay discrimination, We have tried. We have knocked on every door to which we have been pointed. And at every door, we have been spurned or turned away. We have attempted negotiations. In fact, we have, in the past, succeeded through negotiation in getting significant but not yet sufficient amelioration of the pay cut. We took the decision in November that we would strike in February. And the Taoiseach, as it happened then, much later took the decision to have a general election in February. We were always going to be taking this action in February,
3: given yes, the failure of the system but to you, address our issues. But you say that you've knocked on, on many doors many times, but there's there's nobody behind the door at the moment to answer the door, and there will be in a couple of weeks' time. And could you not have waited?
7: Well, as we speak, there are candidates, people who wish to be elected to the next oil knocking on every door in every constituency in the country. Those are the people that we have to influence because in order to influence the next programme for government, irrespective of how that government is constituted, we need to get to the candidates who will be in the parties that comprise that government. So we are exercising if you like, very appropriately a democratic right in the democratic process. Pressure on
3: the politicians. and The the outgoing Education Minister, Joe McHugh, issued a statement last night uh, to us, and he said that he's on record as saying that the issue of unequal pay for teachers is unfinished business and would be prioritised by him in the coming uh, pay talks. And then all of the other parties, they're all saying that they will also address this issue after the election. So... uh, it's 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 moot, isn't it? It's going to it's going to be addressed.
7: Well, we were told this by Minister McHugh at our conferences, the teacher conferences in April last, and he gave every indication at the time that he would address the issue promptly. He failed to do so, or more to the point, his government failed to do so. We have heard this repeatedly. We have heard it on innumerable occasions that this will be dealt with imminently. Now we're not quite sure how elastic the word imminent or soon, uh, words soon or imminent might be. But what we are saying is that the injustice cannot be allowed to continue. And there's a very good reason for that. The injustice of pay discrimination is fueling and driving a crisis in teacher supply. And that crisis in teacher supply means that in schools around the country tomorrow there will not be Irish teachers there will not be home economics teachers teachers of modern languages, teachers of the sciences. Because people are walking elsewhere. They are choosing to go abroad or they are choosing other career paths. And
3: we are bleeding a generation of talent away from teaching. The Department of Education last night said that the starting salary for a new entrant teacher in 2012 that's just after the, the 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 um, f- financial crash um, was thirty thousand seven hundred and two euro. The starting salary today is thirty six thousand nine hundred and fifty three, and from October this year it'll go up to thirty seven thousand six hundred and ninety two euro. So progress is being made. Well, if I can just deal with October
7: this year, that reflects a general increase that will be payable to all, and it's a bit disingenuous for the department somehow to suggest that it has to do with teachers. the The clear, inescapable point is this that a teacher who began in 2012, by contrast with with a colleague who works next door to him teaching same classes in the same school to the same level under the same regulatory conditions, that person who started in 2012 is currently 10%, 14% in first year, 10% over the first 10 years of service behind his or her comparator who started earlier. In other words, there there is still a gap, a gap caused by the fact that not alone were teachers hunted down in 2010 in common with other public servants, but they were hunted down again on a discriminatory basis in 2012 with a 17% cut over and above what was suffered by others.
3: Are you expecting teachers to be paid for if they're not going to be at work today? Oh, well, if you're on strike, you're not paid while on strike. That's very simple. And are you expecting financial penalties to be imposed on your members then into the future? No, I don't expect
7: financial penalties. We are operating absolutely within the terms of the public service uh, stability agreement, as were the nurses last year. What we are doing today is a clear, if you like, sign of intense frustration. But it is clean. And tomorrow and the day after, our members will be inside working all of the terms of the Public
3: Service Stability Agreement. All right, John McGowan, General Secretary of the Teachers' Union of Ireland, thank you for talking to us in Morning Ireland.
8: There's a further warning this morning about the more widespread use of illegal drugs. The Irish Examiner reports from a meeting of County Galway's Joint Policing Committee, which heard about a major increase in supplies of cocaine and a potent form of cannabis. Addiction counsellor Joe Tracy spoke to that meeting and he joins us on the line. Good morning. Morning, Rachel. What have you been witnessing?
6: I've been witnessing what I've been saying for some time. I think we can now say in this country that um, drugs, cocaine, cannabis have infiltrated every city, every town, every village, every side, side road. There, I don't know an area that has not been affected by it and continues to be affected. I said uh, during the summer last year it was snowing in the, in the country. I now think it's blowing a blizzard.
8: So what's changed? Because anecdotally, cocaine use in particular seems to be far more widespread than it used to be.
6: It's my opinion that the country has been flooded with cocaine deliberately and designedly and is targeting all strata of society with well, all socioeconomic classes. I've also said that uh, corporate Ireland are driving this. There's no function, there's no uh, festival now that doesn't have someone procuring drugs. It's disturbing. And this is verified by a screening. Screening is telling us very clearly that there is widespread use of uh, illegal drugs and that it has proliferated the countryside.
8: You're also worried about a stronger form of cannabis. And I suppose going back years, you know, many of us would have had a a fairly benign view of cannabis. It was seen as largely harmless. But what people are smoking what people are using has changed quite a lot
6: dramatically and the thc levels that we're seeing from a screening point of view are dramatically increased and i know the biochemists in the laboratory in pierce street would say to us that yes the potency has increased dramatically and
9: that's fueling
6: a situation that we see unfold on our streets In our villages, in our towns at the weekend, the advent of cheap alcohol, the free availability of drugs and the the, the potency of drugs is adding to a huge burden on health services, on police services and on families generally. The biggest concern has to be every parent that you meet is on high alert, is hugely concerned with the care and the welfare of their children and slipping into the area of drugs.
8: What sort of stories are you hearing?
6: very sad stories, very sad stories. Unfortunately, Galway is a fantastic beautiful city. It celebrates 2020 but we are a waterway city. Galway is a waterway city and the accidental death of young people accidentally falling into water, highly intoxicated with a large range of different types of drugs makes it more at risk than other other uh, towns or our cities. But I'm saying, Rachel, right across the country, I've met people, my colleagues, and I speak with them, this is not a Galway issue. This is a nationwide country issue. It's a general thing also if we don't address this and we haven't addressed this by offering comprehensive appropriate treatment centers up and down the country we have taken our eye off the ball and this and I say it very very carefully on Morning Ireland this epidemic is in the country and it shows no sign of abating.
8: How are the services equipped to cope with this? Overrun,
6: overrun. Yesterday, yesterday I tried to access a treatment center there's a three-week, three-week waiting list from that perspective
8: Listen, thank you so much for talking to us this morning. That was uh, Joe Tracy, who's an addiction counsellor with the Addiction Counsellors of Ireland, speaking to us about that uh, policing committee meeting in County Galway.
1: Not guilty. US President Donald Trump has been cleared by the US Senate in his, in his impeachment trial. Democrats had charged him with pressurising Ukraine to smear potential White House rival Joe Biden, but last night a majority of senators voted to acquit him. He's due to deliver an address from the White House later today. Mr. Trump was facing two impeachment charges, but last night a majority of senators voted to find him not guilty, and the Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court, John Roberts, formally announced the acquittal of Donald Trump on the Senate floor.
0: The Senate, having tried Donald John Trump, President of the United States upon two articles of impeachment exhibited against him by the House of Representatives and two-thirds of the senators present not having found him guilty of the charges contained therein. It is, therefore, ordered and adjudged that the said Donald John Trump be, and he is hereby, acquitted of the charges in said articles.
1: That's the Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court, John Roberts. Watching and listening for us overnight, our Washington correspondent, Brian O'Donovan.
9: Well, Gavin, Donald Trump was facing two impeachment charges, abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. Now it was always expected that he would be acquitted because it was going to take a two thirds majority to convict him, and that would have meant twenty Republican senators defecting and siding with Democrats, which was always highly, highly unlikely. Now on the other side, Donald Trump was hoping that one or two Democrats might have defected and voted to acquit him, and this would have given him real bragging rights over the Democrats. And three Democratic senators had toyed with the idea of siding with Republicans, Kirsten Sinema, Joe Manchin and Doug Jones, but in the end they didn't defect. On the obstruction of Congress charge, the vote was split directly along party lines, 53 saying not guilty, 47 saying guilty. On the other impeachment charge, abuse of power, there was one defection. Utah Republican Senator Mitt Romney voted with Democrats. Probably not a huge surprise. Mitt Romney doesn't like Donald Trump. He was one of the few Republican senators to vote in favour of hearing from witnesses in the impeachment trial. But what he did will go down in the history books because it's the first time ever that a senator from a president's own party has voted to remove a president from office. Mitt Romney gave a very emotional speech on the Senate floor. Before casting his vote, he said it was the most difficult decision he'd ever faced, but he said he had sworn an oath to God and wanted to be able to tell his children that he did his duty to the best of his ability.
1: The president is guilty of an appalling abuse of public trust. What he did was not perfect. No, it was a flagrant assault on our electoral rights, our national security and our fundamental values. Corrupting an election to keep oneself in office is perhaps the most abusive and destructive violation of one's oath of office that I can imagine. Republican Senator Mitt Romney, what was Donald Trump's reaction to his acquittal?
9: Well, immediately after the acquittal vote, Donald Trump tweeted that he would be making a statement later today from the White House on what he described as the country's victory on the impeachment hoax. Then a little bit after that, he tweeted a video criticizing Mitt Romney. Then came another tweet a short time later, again criticizing Mitt Romney, calling him a failed presidential candidate. So we can see a theme emerging here. We can expect lots of attacks from Donald Trump against Mitt Romney. He will feel his wrath over the coming weeks and months for voting against the president. The White House issued a statement very shortly after that acquittal vote as well, saying that President Trump had been fully vindicated and exonerated. The buzzwords coming from the Trump side are acquitted forever. And this is a fight back against the Democratic phrase... Impeached forever because Democrats, of course, are very keen to highlight that no matter what happened in the Senate, Donald Trump is an impeached president. He will be an impeached president forever. That can never be changed. They're also saying that his impeachment trial in the Senate was a cover up and a sham because Republicans blocked witnesses. But I don't think these Democratic criticisms will stick and do any real damage to Donald Trump politically. And remember, he is the first impeached president to be running for re election. I think he's going to use this acquittal, he's going to use it as a buzzword, he's going to use it as a campaign rallying speech and he's going to use it to rally his support base and indeed a poll out this week shows that Donald Trump's approval rating has actually reached a new high. The danger for Democrats always was that impeachment could backfire against them but right now it doesn't look like they're dropping this investigation anytime soon. The chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, Jerry Nadler, said they would likely issue a subpoena to hear testimony from Donald Trump's former National Security Advisor John Bolton.
1: Separately Brian to the election to the US presidential election and we still don't have full results from the Iowa Democratic caucuses turning into America's version of Dublin uh, South Central what's the latest state of play?
9: Yeah it's become a total debacle I mean I mean, people know the backstory here that we should have had results by Monday night slash Tuesday morning but we are still waiting for results there were technical problems reporting the data from the Iowa caucuses. Right now Ninety-seven percent of the precincts in Iowa have reported, and it shows that Pete Buttigieg, the former mayor of South Bend, Indiana, is still in the lead, but only barely. Bernie Sanders, the Vermont senator, has really caught up to him, and this, they're pretty much neck and neck. There's nothing in it right now. Pete Buttigieg on twenty-six point two percent, Bernie Sanders on twenty-six point one percent. So there's only point one of a percent in it, and ninety-seven percent of the votes have been reported at this stage. The fact that a lesser-known candidate like Pete Buttigieg has done so well should have been the story of Iowa, but it's not. The story of Iowa was this botched voting system and all these problems, and then all the candidates have moved on. They've gone on to the next contest. It's the New Hampshire primary. It takes place next Tuesday. Iowa was also very bad news for Joe Biden. He came in fourth place last night. He said that that result was a gut punch, and he went on the attack against his rivals. He suggested that Senator Bernie Sanders' label as a socialist could be very damaging for Democrats. He also questioned Mayor Pete Buttigieg's political experience. He said it was a risk to nominate someone who has never held an office higher than mayor of a small town of just 100,000 people in Indiana. We can see, Gavin, that gloves are coming off, things are getting nasty. Expect lots of fireworks during the next Democratic debate, which takes place tomorrow night in New Hampshire.
1: That's our correspondent in Washington, Brian O'Donovan.
10: Well, it was BAFTA night last night, and the World War I movie 1917 was the big winner. It won seven prizes in total, including Best Film and Best Director for Sam Mendes. We're joined now by our arts and media correspondent Sinead Crowley. Sinead Irish interest, of course, in Saoirse Ronan for Little Women and Jessie Buckley for Wild Rose, but no joy for either. That's right, and I think it's it's funny that you're coming live from Kerry this morning and actually it was a good night for Kerry at the BAFTAs because Jessie Buckley is of course a Kerry actress and no she didn't win and Saoirse Ronan didn't win. But look they were up against Renee Zellweger who is pretty much unstoppable at this stage awards season-wise for Best Actress Awards. But Jessie Buckley did sing live. She sang the song um, No Place Glasgow No Place Like Home from the film Live Rose and it went Wild Rose and it went down really, really well in the auditorium. And I think it was a big moment for her on the the international stage so a good night even though she didn't actually come home with the awards well let's hear some of that song
2: hanging low over my window shoebox of dreams hid under my bed follow the bright light city of gold I had to leave to realise all I needed was we both know that there's nothing that a little time and Patsy Klein couldn't fix had to find my way make my own mistakes but you
10: Just such a talent. Um, Sinead, will you run through some of the other main winners, please? Yes, yeah, you said there, 1917 was the big winner and that was absolutely expected. I mean, it's not just, it, it's a very good film, obviously doing very well in award season, but obviously British, British story, British director and so on. So it got best film, best British film, best director for Sam Mendes, best cinematography. I mean, it was not, there were no major surprises last night, which doesn't make for a particularly exciting event. You know, the the, the actor categories in particularly weren't exactly the way they were expected to go. René Zellweger, Joaquin Phoenix, Laura Dern, and Brad Pitt uh, for supporting and Best Actress Actor categories and that's how it's expected to go in the Oscars too. So I suppose really the news out of last night was again this um, complaint or this mention of diversity and the lack of diversity in acting categories and indeed across the board in awards ceremony this year. All 20 acting nominees uh, for the BAFTAs this year were white and there were no female directors nominated and I believe that's about the seventh year in a row with no female directors nominated and Joaquin Phoenix in particular made a really strong case for more diversity when he accepted his award for best actor in the movie Joker. He said he was delighted to get the award, but he did feel he was in a position of privilege and he really called for more diversity in in acting and generally in awards from here on in.
1: I think that we send a very clear message to people of colour that you're not welcome here. I don't think anybody wants a handout or preferential treatment, although that's what we give ourselves every year it is the obligation of the people that have created and perpetuate and benefit from a system of oppression to be the ones that dismantle it so that's on us strong
10: words there from Joaquin Phoenix so the Oscars are next Sinead The Oscars are next. We'll all be counting votes, actually, in Ireland. They're on the the Sunday night going into Monday morning of the election count here, but the other votes will be going on in Hollywood. Uh, Impossible, really, to bet on anything other than the main attractions in the actor and actresses category. Not 100% sure yet who will win the best film overall, but certainly 1917 has a very fair win behind it as we head into next weekend. Great stuff. We'll all be up next Sunday night. Thank you very much. Sinead Crowley, our arts and media correspondent.
0: Now, we're all familiar with the early Irish harp, even if you don't think you are. It's the national symbol and is used, for example, on all official government documents with brass wire strings. It's the instrument that would have been played by 17th century harpers like Turlico Carlin. A number of original harps, which date back hundreds of years, are held in the National Museum of Ireland at Collins Barracks. And recently a team of scientists was given permission to examine the instruments and find out more about how they were made and played. Our arts and media correspondent Sinead Crowley visited the museum to find out more.
10: The familiar sound of Carolyn's concerto performed by Siobhan Armstrong on the early Irish harp.
8: It's very different in that it has brass wire strings. Uh, it was played for lots of its history with the males and its whole construction type and its music and aesthetic and everything to do with it is really quite different to modern Irish harping.
10: Siobhan plays a replica instrument, but a small number of original harps dating from the
4: 18th century and even further back have survived. There are only 18 of these early Irish harps known to survive both uh, here and including there's two in Scotland. Dr Karen
10: Loomis is a scientist and expert on early musical instruments.
4: They're really incredibly rare in fact uh, if you think about Stradivarius violins and how how precious and rare those are uh, there's many more of those surviving than there are of these. Karen and her associate Simon Chadwick recently spent a week at the
10: National Museum of Ireland at Collins Barracks examining the Hollybrook Harp.
5: It was made in 1720 for Robin Adair at Hollybrook in County Wicklow and one of the things that I'm going to do is a bit of archive research try and find out more about Robin about the, about these traditions about the family history the museum bought it at auction in London in the 1980s and then it's been here ever since so this is the first time it's really been seriously studied
4: part of our job is to um, study the the surviving instruments and, and understand as much as we can about them and how they were built and how they were used. And that information helps modern day harp builders make informed replicas of these instruments because these are much too old and fragile to be played themselves.
10: the tests they carried out were 3D laser scanning in conjunction with 3D printing Ireland and infrared photography, which led to what Dr Loomis felt was a very exciting discovery about the physical design of the harp.
4: We know from reading some historical information that it originally was very richly decorated but it's all now faded and turned dark. We turned on the ultraviolet light and all of a sudden the decorative work popped right out. What you see it has as this dark floral pattern here was originally gold gilt. So it would have been shiny gold and the background that just looks sort of plain tan there was uh, a a red with um, contrasting green sort of marbly blotches and the gold patterns, which were sort of floral patterns, there's also some birds in there, exotic birds, would have had black outline to sort of set them off. And you can imagine the whole harp decorated like this.
10: Funding from the Arts Council together with support from the National Museum of Ireland allowed these tests to be carried out, but the team is now hoping that a sponsor or sponsors will come on board to help them examine five other instruments.
5: Three hundred years ago a harper sat with this thing in their hands and plucked these strings and made music and the music is gone but the harp is still here and so by inspecting the harp you can, you can see where his hands rested on the harp, where, maybe where his foot knocked against the corner and these are really visceral emotive connections to music 300 years ago.
8: So what we want to show people um, or to let them hear is the real sound of ancient Ireland and the sound of early modern Ireland and really the sound of Ireland as it is now because now we're playing these instruments once more and we're researching them and so we'd like to bring this together and learn as much as we can so that we can present the music the way Carolyn might have imagined it.
0: And that was Siobhan Armstrong of the Historical Harp Society of Ireland, ending that report by Sinead Crowley. You've been listening to a
8: selection of stories from this week's Morning Ireland.